You're listening to Saturdays with Emma right here on BBS Radio Channel One. Now here's Emma. I am here live on the show. It is Saturdays with Emma right here. And my guest today is the one and only. He's been on the show a couple times. We always have good stuff, and uh, the time always flies when you're with him. His name is Mr. Jack Duffy, and he is a JFK guy. So he's he's loves the assassination part and all that good stuff. Um, he's also an author, and in his spare time, he likes to be a lawyer. <laughs> so he he wears many hats. And does many, many things. So I'm also uh, live on Facebook here with the show. So hi, everybody. Sorry about the time. I, I passed out the time and I put the wrong time on. But anyway, so um, without further ado, let's talk to Jack. Hey, Jack, how are you doing today, buddy? Well, I'm doing better. I had a, had a two strokes back in May, so I'm still recovering. Yeah, I'm doing we a lot. had well, that's good. Yeah, you had called me and know that because I, I hadn't known that, but I'm glad that you're doing better. You sound really well. Well, yeah, my speech has improved a lot. Yeah, well, we know lawyers like to talk, so you have to have that voice, you know. <laughs> right. Right. Well, um, let's talk about, let's start off talking about your books. Um, you told me that uh, you've got the Black Mamba that you just had finished editing and now you're working on the cover. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm slowly making slow progress, but we're working on it. Okay. So just uh, tell everybody a little bit about that. Uh, it's kind of like a 007 type book. Yeah, it's like James Bond. Uh, it's about two agents who are Navy SEALs, two CIA agents that uh, go around and uh, fight a terrorist, a terrorist organization. It's fictitious, of course, but it's a big, powerful terrorist organization. It, uh, it's kind of like an umbrella over all the terrorist groups in the world. Oh, wow. All right. Well, you know, when you get the movie rights, let me know. So, I will. Uh, <laughs> And then you also have a, an, a book that you wrote a few years ago um, about what would have happened if JFK had lived, uh, The Man from 2063. Uh, just That's a little correct. spiel about that. Uh, it's a time travel book. Uh, it's based on my research. It's, uh, it's about a guy who goes back in a time warp and uh, prevents the assassination and exposes the conspiracy behind the whole thing. <laughs> So oh, nice. He finds up there's a conspiracy. Wow. Well, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I mean, you sent me a copy of that book, and I shared it with some coworkers, and they just loved it. And they said, we want to get another, we want to get a copy of the book. So, but I don't yeah. think it's it's in print right now. It's uh, not. The publisher, it's not... Out, the publisher went out of business. I've got a few copies left. Oh, okay. So have, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, we'll have to, we'll have to see about getting some more copies of that. That's pretty, that, that was a pretty interesting book. If, you know, I do say so myself. Um, but yeah, you, you wear many hats and, um, so is Black Mamba the, uh, the Black Mamba's the latest ones. Are you working on anything else? Uh, I've got about five or six books I've been working on off and on. Five or six? Good night. When do you sleep? At at court? Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. I just have a, I have, a, I have a crazy imagination. Lots of well, ideas. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, that's pretty awesome. So um, let's get right into the JFK stuff. A lot of people was asking me about, about the show, and I told them that you was going to be on, and they was pretty fascinated about it. So... Um, Let's. Everybody's seen the Zapruder film. Everybody's seen, um, you know. Hi, Cassie. Cassie's watching on Facebook. Um, so everybody knows about all that. Um, everybody knows about, you know, the single bullet theory type of thing. Um, 
but let's talk more about the medical side because, you know, the last couple of times you was on, we was talking about, you know, Lee Harvey Oswald and stuff like that. So this magic bullet theory, I know that, um, you know, you and Dr. Weck pretty much poo poo on that. <laughs> and we're going to, we're going to get, uh, Dr. Weck on soon with you. That would be, uh, that would be pretty cool. Hi, Kelly and Vivian. They're, they're on Facebook as well. Uh, you're listening to Saturdays with Emma and my guest is Jack Duffy. So what do you make of this single bullet theory? I know that, you know, like I said, you, you poo poo on it. How can a bullet turn, you know, a zillion different ways and come up with all those, you know, bullet holes? Well, uh, John Connolly, who was sitting right in front of President Kennedy when he got hit, also got hit, and he he never agreed that he got hit by the same bullet, like with the single bullet theory. He said President Kennedy got hit, that he got hit. So that means two different bullets hit both men, or two shooters and fired. Uh, plus the bullet itself, this magic bullet, it, they, they did a test. The one community, as Dr. Wick said the last time when I was on the program with him, they did a test of the same kind of ammunition that Oswald allegedly used, and they fired one bullet into the cotton wadding, and it came out more deformed than what the bullet was found, they found in the limousine. And they fired, fired a bullet into a goat carcass, and it was even more deformed. And then they fired a bullet into a human cadaver. It was, it was mushroom flattened out. And like Dr. Wake said, show me another bullet that did what it did to Conley, and it comes out looking like that. And I'll be quiet the rest of the day. I won't talk about these fascinating anymore. Oh, yeah. I mean, Dr. Weck, I loved having him on and he was just he was just a fountain of information. And um, I mean, anybody in their right mind would surely know that it had to be at least at least two bullets, if not more, you know. And so I understand that you had spoken with some of the doctors, one or two of the doctors that had worked on JFK. Is that right? Yes. They uh, they primarily talked about the head wound. Yeah. So didn't I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, go, go ahead. Didn't yeah? I mean, they talked about the head wound. So they they thought that the bullet came from the front and exited the back. Yes. Is that is, because they, yeah yeah? Doctor Crenshaw told me he was one of the doctors I met. He. He said that the back of Kennedy's head was blown out completely. Uh, it was so there was a big exit wound, and he could have put his fist into the wound. So it was so big. There's no way that oh, could have been caused by a bullet from the back coming in, because bullets make oh, a much no. bigger hole going out. Dr. McClellan said the same thing. He was standing right over Kennedy for like 30 minutes, and he saw the same thing. In fact, all the doctors sitting except for one agree that the bullet probably came from the front. Yeah. Well, you know, the in the Zapruder film, you can tell, I mean, he goes, you know, back and, and what, to the, to the back left? Into back the into left. the left. Yeah, back into the left. I mean, anybody that, you know, has, has shot a gun or whatever, you know, or, or seen, you know, military movies that, you know, anybody that gets shot in the front, they go backwards, so... You know, that's, that's pretty, you know, concrete stuff. Um, yeah. You know, what, was there any signs like well, when the president Ken- was on? Go ahead. Part of Kennedy's, you know, part of Kennedy's brain matter went on the rear of the car, which was, wouldn't have happened as a bullet came from Oswald. That's just pure physics. Plus, a policeman behind the limousine got splattered with brain matter. Uh, he's back into the left of the limousine. That wouldn't have, he wouldn't have got hit by any brain matter if the bullet had come from the rear. So those two things by right. themselves prove a, prove a shot from the front. Yeah. Now, didn't they, um, a lot of the, the Warren Commission people said that the, um, second gunman bullet supposedly was backfiring of a, a policeman's motorcycle? What was uh, what was that about? That, you're talking about the audio tape, the acoustics. Yeah, the audio tape. When they listen to the audio uh, tape. Well, 
Well, the officer, the officer, the, the police officer that they believe it came from, uh, he was in the, the right coming into the plaza. Uh, I, I've talked to Robert Grohn, who was on the committee. Uh, he said they, the committee heard five distinct gunshots. There's been a big debate about whether they were gunshots or if, if, if the uh, motorcycle could have even been there to record it. Uh, I think they were legitimate gunshots. So that means at least three gunmen probably were fired. Oh, wow. Wow. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty amazing. And, and you can see in the, in the films and in even the news reporter films, everyone running up the grassy knoll and, you know, everything going like that. Um, when the president made it to Parkland Hospital, um, I know that Mrs. Kennedy wasn't letting him letting the the ambulance people help and they finally got him in there did the doctors you know when they come in and saw all the you know the head wound did they just automatically think he's already gone or well was there signs of life dr mcclellan and dr crenshaw said he was pretty much a dead dead on arrival so because so much of his head had been shot away so uh, they, they thought he was probably dead, almost dead when he arrived. Yeah, I don't see how he could still have been alive, you know, with with that with that shot. But you know, I know that they worked for a while to try and revive him, according to all the reports and stuff. But um, yeah, that's that's pretty bad. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, now. The the uh, Warren report. They supposedly, you know, interviewed hundreds of people and and had eyewitnesses and stuff. And and let's talk a little bit about some of the um, um, witnesses. You know, mysteriously uh, dying like right before they're supposed to testify. Or you know, I I saw when I was doing some research for the show today. The, the lady in the polka dot dress running down the, the stairs. Um, let's talk a little bit about, about that. Okay. Well, Jean Hill, who I met in person, she's dead now, but she told me that she was standing on the curb and Kennedy was shot. And there's no doubt that the, the shot came from the grassy knoll, uh, from behind the picket fence. Uh, Bill Newman, I also know him, met him personally. He, he was the closest eyewitness to the assassination. He was like 10 feet from the limousine when Kennedy was shot in the head. He said that he knew immediately it came from behind him, so he threw his family to the ground to, of, to get out of the line of fire. There, and mm-hmm. there were 54 mm-hmm. witnesses that all said the shot came in front. So you have to disbelieve 54 witnesses if you believe the shot came from Oswald. Yeah. That's a lot of people. I mean... That is a lot of people and, you know, and everyone telling basically the same story, you know, so that's, yeah. that's pretty interesting, right? In, in itself, you know, um, the Bush lady, uh, filming the assassination or the, I mean, she got her, her film taken, her name is Beverly Oliver. I met her. She said mm-hmm. she had her film taken away by the FBI like two days after the assassination, and she's never seen the film since. She thinks she caught the gunman that she fired from the grassy knoll in her film. Well, I had heard that. I I had you know researching, um, and do you suppose that the government got rid of all that, or is it locked up in a in a safe somewhere? Because I know that a lot of the um, papers from the assassination was released not too long ago um, by President yeah. Trump and then there was more more after that but I looked through them and it didn't seem you know like much of anything there was really no smoking gun for lack of a better word well uh, there was a phone call uh, that was suppressed for, but Trump got it released an anonymous phone call was made to the U.S. Embassy in London, England, like 30 minutes before Kennedy got shot. The, the caller called anonymously. He said, hey, 
be prepared for some big news out of the United States in half an hour. And they hung up. Now, that's been locked away for 50-some years. Why would they lock that phone call away if it was innocent? Why would you make that phone call unless it was a conspiracy and you knew it was going to happen? Exactly. I mean, they, they knew, so they, you know, put it away so they wouldn't get caught, you know. Um, and then in um, the, I mean, what would have possessed, you know, as far as the, the you know, one bullet theory, what would have possessed Arlen Specter to come up with, with this single bullet theory of everything tumbling in the, into space? And, and I mean, there's, there's all kinds of evidence from Dr. Weck and others that there's no way that a bullet could do that. Well, for one thing, the bullet, the bullet hole in Kennedy's jacket is too low to, to, to go, have gone through his throat and hit Conley. The, the, the bullet hole is much, much too lower. Uh, also, the surgeons who did the uh, surgery on Conley said the angle doesn't measure up right with one bullet hitting both men. The Conley's wound was a much steeper wound than Kennedy's, which means that it had to be a, a different bullet. Uh, so right there, you know, that it couldn't be possible. The reason why they had to come up with the idea of one bullet hitting both men is because if they said two, two different shooters shot, you got a conspiracy. They wouldn't avoid that. James Tate, yeah. the man he was hit by this, who I happened to beat uh, while he was still alive. He passed away recently, but... He told me that he he was hit by uh, a fragment of a bullet from uh, from the grassy knoll. So there they had a the problem. They had to explain why why one bullet hit Mister Tang and then also hit Kennedy in the head and also hit Kennedy in the back and then hit Conley too. That's four shots. That's a conspiracy. So they simplified it by saying one both men got hit by one bullet. That's how they solved that problem. And that's, that's, that's oh. a complete fiction. Yeah, they, they're pretty sneaky, you know, doing that sort of thing. And, um, didn't, there was a ricochet. There was a guy standing under the, the overpass and, yeah, and was hit Pace. by, yeah, yeah. So yeah, a there's fragment. too many bullets flying around. Yeah. What, too many, too many shots. Too many so shots make, flying around. They had to make one bullet hit two men in order to keep it a simple one-man job. And that's mm -hmm. a joke. Yeah, that that is a joke, I'm telling you. So um, I know that I was thinking that you had told me that you had spoken with Clint Hill, the, the uh, Secret Service guy that was on the back of the car, that run up to the back of the car. Um, yeah, he, he, and he, 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 yeah, he... Go ahead. Oh no, Go that's ahead. okay. Uh, he uh, didn't. He at first say that he thought there was a conspiracy, and then he changed his tune after a while. Do you suppose yeah. somebody got to him? Yeah, I, I, I think so. He told researchers in the sixties and the seventies that another gunman was in front of the car. Then he changed his story when he after he retired. Now he's saying one person did everything. So somebody got to him, or. Or else he felt threatened about his pension or where that's just what I think. I mean, why would you do a 180 degree turn on, on what you think happened in just a matter of years? So now he's an anti-conspiracy fellow, whereas before he was all conspiracy. Wow. I know that he does a lot of public speaking and stuff about it. And, and he did say, you know, it was one shooter and, you know, we did everything. And, you know, there was no, I went, I guess he had went to the sixth floor depository and looked over everything and said that, you know, only one shooter, um, you know, did it and this and that and the other. And, and that's, that's just sad that somebody who, you know, credible person, that could have said, yeah, there was two people at least, and now he's changing his tune. That that that's just uh, drives you crazy. <laughs> what's, what's interesting about Clint Hill is he wrote a book about the assassination later on, and in his own book he says the back of Kennedy's head was blown out. So right there he's saying what he saw, which is a big big hole in the back of his head. It's like the doctors. 
So that proves it had to be a conspiracy. Oh, yeah, that's absolutely. His own, that's his own book. Wow. But now he's saying something so, different. Yeah. Wow. So he needs to he needs to get his story straight, I guess. Yeah, he needs to just quit putting stuff in his book that's, that's not true. Or, or, or he needs to say what's right and that one person couldn't have done this. Absolutely. You know. That's just that's just crazy. So, um, back to the. I know we're kind of jumping around today. My my notes are all wacky today. Um, as far as the autopsy goes, why wasn't it done in Dallas? And what was the big to do? You know about the Secret Service going crazy and getting the president's body out of there, and and um, you know getting on Air Force One and and. Uh, that sort of thing. So what was the big hurry? Well, under Texas law at the time Kennedy was killed, it was not a federal crime to kill the president. It is now a federal crime. But at that time it wasn't. So Texas controlled the autopsy. It should have been done in Dallas. Earl, Earl Rose was the forensic pathologist who was very qualified to do this. But uh, as Dr. McClellan was telling me, they wheeled Kennedy's body out and got to Rose trying to stop him and said, wait a minute, you can't, you can't do that. I've got to do the autopsy here in Texas. And they pulled their guns out, according to Dr. McClellan, and said, move out of the way. You're not going to do the autopsy. We're taking the president back to Washington. So they just literally hijacked his body out of Dallas illegally. Oh, wow. So, um, you know, everybody listening, we're, we're talking with, uh, Jack Duffy about the JFK assassination. I just want to say hi to everybody on Facebook Live. Uh looks like Vivian and uh, Hacker is on there. So, um, yeah, I mean, you saw, I saw a uh, documentary on PBS about it. And, you know, they've got the Secret Service, you know, basically telling the, the doctors in, in uh at Dallas that, you know, if you don't move, we're going to shoot you. And it's like, holy moly, you know, and, and why didn't the police, uh, there in Dallas say, Hey, you know, this, this is a Dallas thing or, or were they just afraid of what, you know, the, well, the secret service I'm, I'm was sure going to do. In, I'm sure the police were intimidated by the secret services. You really can't tell the secret service what, what to do. So they probably didn't want to get involved in it. That's just my speculation. But yeah, that's yeah. a good question. Yeah, because you would you would have thought that they would have said, "Hey, you know, this is our jurisdiction," and and there you go. Um, and also with the um, Dallas doctors and then the Bethesda doctors in Washington D.C., didn't they they did not agree on some stuff as far as which direction the fatal shot come from? Or am I wrong about well, that? Well, yeah, you're right. Uh, the technicians and the people that were not doctors all said the same thing as the Dallas doctors, that the bullet had come from the front. The, the doctors mm -hmm. who did the autopsy were military doctors, uh, guys that were controlled by the military. They went along with the, with the, the government's position. It was just one person. So there's a lot of questions about the autopsy. They did section Kennedy's brain like Dr. Wick said. When Dr. Wick went into the archives, he saw the x-rays of Kennedy's head, and they showed fragments, dozens of fragments throughout the brain, if that's if that's really Kennedy's uh, x-ray. If it is, it proves that the bullet that hit him in the head was not Oswald. It was a dumb-dumb bullet or an explosive bullet like the mafia uses. Yeah. So, speaking of the mafia, do you think that they were the ones with the with the fatal shot as far as you know, because they were they were mad at Kennedy because of Chicago and and stuff that they done there, and then Bobby, his brother, was you know putting putting them all in jail or deporting them. Um, you know, so do you think that perhaps it was the mafia for sure that done it instead of Oswald, and he was he was just a patsy? In the long history of the world. Only a few generations have been granted the role of defending freedom in its hour of maximum danger. 
I do not shrink from this responsibility. I welcome it. I do not believe that any of us would exchange places with any other people or any other generation. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And the glow from that fire can truly light the world. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. My fellow citizens of the world, ask not what America will do for you, but what together we can do for the freedom of man. Finally, whether you are citizens of America or citizens of the world, ask of us here the same high standards of strength and sacrifice which we ask of you. With a good conscience, our only sure reward, with history the final judge of our deeds, let us go forth to lead the land we love, asking his blessing and his help, but knowing that here on earth, God's work must truly be our own. Hi, everybody. We are back. Sorry about that. I thought we lost Jack, but he was there, and uh, we're back with him. And uh, Jack was mentioning during the break about a uh, gentleman behind the the fence. Uh, you want to repeat what you what you was telling me there, Jack? I think that's yeah, pretty fascinating. A police officer named Joe Smith confronted the man behind the fence a few seconds after the fatal shot was fired. He asked him what he, what he was doing behind the fence. And the guy pulled out a, a, a Secret Service badge. Oh, well, the wow. police officer, police officer let him go. There was, it turns out all the legitimate went to the hospital. So he was an imposter behind the fence. So he could have been the shooter and they just, you know, let him go. You know, yes, exactly. not, not, yeah. But I'm sure in all the chaos, they wasn't sure who was who and, what was real and what wasn't, but wow. It turns out wow. the CIA was responsible for making Secret Service uh, badges back at that time. Mark Lane wrote a book about this. He's a famous researcher. Mm-hmm. So you suppose that the, the you know, CIA made some badges and just kind of spread them around to... Uh, well, well, that's what he, that's what Mark Lane thinks. He's dead now, but I met, I met him years yeah. ago. He said, so he, he's, he, he, he believed the CIA was involved. Yeah. Wasn't they, um, using the, uh, mafia to try to, to kill Castro as well? Yeah. Yeah. They were in, in cahoots with the mafia to kill Castro. I've wow. got there's something interesting. There's something interesting I'd like to point out. For the people uh-huh. who say there's no conspiracy, for those who believe there's no conspiracy, they have a hard time explaining something. Uh, there was a lady named Sylvia Odio, who's a Cuban refugee in Dallas in, in September of 63. Uh, she testified before the Warren Commission that three men, two Cubans and one American showed up at her doorstep at her apartment one night. Uh, she didn't know who they were. They just showed up there at her, her apartment. And they said, well, we know you're from Cuba. You want to fight Castro. Can you help us out? Can you give us some money? And the American guy didn't say anything. He just stood there. Well, when Oswald was arrested, she said that was Lee Harvey Oswald that was standing there with those two Cubans. Now, if she's correct, and nobody's been able to prove that she's not correct, because her sister backed her up. If she's right, 
what is Oswald doing with two men? One of the men called called her up the next day on the phone and started talking about Oswald and said, what do you think about a Yankee friend? She said, I don't know much about him. He didn't say anything. And the guy goes, well, he's a Marine, ex-Marine. He's a crack shot with a rifle, which he wasn't. He was a mediocre to poor shot. And uh, we think the, this uh, Oswald told us that we, we we Cubans don't have any guns. We should have killed Kennedy. And then he hung up the phone. And so she got kind of scared. And she thought, well, I'm talking about killing Kennedy. And then when, that, when it happened, she she realized that that man was Oswald at her doorstep. That that That's strong evidence of a conspiracy. Oh, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. I mean, see, there's yeah. so many pieces to this puzzle that, you know, may may never get solved, but yet it is solved and right in front of us, you know. Um, I wonder if, you know, Mrs. Kennedy, Jacqueline, ever, you know, voiced an opinion of who she thought had killed her husband and wounded uh, Governor Con- Connolly. Yeah, she did. She did an interview like two months after it happened. Uh, she said that she thought that LBJ was behind it because he was from Texas and he got to be president. So that, 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 that spawned the theory that Johnson was involved in the whole thing. Uh, she thought it was the Texas old people that did it and the CIA might have been involved. So she, oh, wow. she wasn't stupid. She wasn't stupid. No, she wasn't. And, you know, I mean, Johnson didn't like the Kennedys anyway, and he really hated Bobby. So, but, you know, and, and there was a interview with the President Kennedy's secretary, uh, Evelyn Lincoln, I saw on, on uh, PBS that she said whenever they all finally got on to Air Force One right before he was uh, sworn in, that he was running up and down the hallway saying, you know, it's a conspiracy, it's a conspiracy, they're going to kill us all, and was carrying on. So, um, you know, right there, to me, that just proves that he knew something. What's interesting is that uh, Johnson apparently didn't even believe the Warren Commission, and he set it up. He thought there might have been a conspiracy from Cuba. So he didn't believe the one government was involved. He thought there was a conspiracy. But that's just what he said. Wow. So, my gosh, that that's just craziness. I mean, all the way around. And do you suppose the same ones that killed uh, President Kennedy, Kennedy killed his brother Bobby in California? I think I think there's evidence that that was a conspiracy. Also, it might have been the same people. It probably was. They were afraid that Bobby Kennedy, if he got to be president, he was going to find out who killed his brother. So they they were scared of the truth coming out. So they got rid of Bobby Kennedy too. Yeah, I mean that that only makes sense, you know, to to do that. Um, I had also seen as far as the mafia. There was a guy, Michael Francis, who was um, with, that was in the mafia. His dad was big in the mafia. Sonny uh, was there. And I guess Sonny knew who done it, um, that it was a mafia guy and the CIA. So, you know. Are you talking about, and, you're talking about Bobby Kennedy? Uh, Jack you're talking Kennedy. About Bobby. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, the president. Uh, the, mafia, the president. The, the mafia definitely was involved in JFK's murder. That, that's for sure. Jack Kruby's t- ties to the mafia are indisputable. I mean, he he was a mafia stooge, and uh, for him to shoot Oswald on TV wasn't wasn't on an accident. I, I don't believe he was part of the conspiracy. The first people that went to see Ruby right after he got arrested for killing Oswald were mafia people. Just a coincidence, yeah. right? Sure. Yeah. yeah, no, I don't that think so. Yeah. yeah, that seems kind of odd to me. And, um, yeah. I mean, Jack Ruby just walking into the sheriff's department or the police department, you know, like five minutes or, you know, five seconds before uh, Oswald, you know, is moved, going to be moved. That's kind of odd, too. You know, so didn't Jack Ruby have some kind of... Uh, 
connections with those guys from uh, uh, New Orleans? No, he had or, connections with Chicago, with Chicago, with Sam Giancotta. Chicago. It was the boss okay. of the Chicago Mafia. He worked oh, with, okay. He worked with, yeah. You were asking me a while ago about the people that died suspiciously. Uh, I yeah. wanted to make a comment. Uh, for, for those that don't believe it's a conspiracy, you have to explain this. During the 70s, when they were reinvestigating Kennedy's assassination, they subpoenaed three mobsters to, to testify about what they knew about the assassination. Well, guess what happened? All three of them got murdered real quick by the mafia. So that's just a coincidence, I suppose. Yeah, right. They murdered all three yeah. of them on purpose and got got, got rid of them because they were going to spill the beans, or they might have spilled some of the beans about what, what happened. So they got rid of three people right before they were going to testify. So... I don't believe in a coincidence like that. No, that sounds pretty fishy to me. I mean, there's there's no way that they all three of them, you know, and it was probably, you know, made to look like natural causes or something, like a car wreck or something. Then a lot of people get killed, like in cars or, uh, you know, heart attacks all of a sudden. Yeah, the three people I'm referencing, they were all shot. They they didn't die of natural yeah. causes. They were murdered. They were murdered. Wow. Yeah, they, 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 that, that points the finger at the mafia to do that. Just shut them up. Wow. Shut uh, them up. Also, and also, also another thing I wanted to say, uh, there was a guy named Gaetan Fonzi who was an investigator for the House Committee. I met him in person in Dallas years ago. He wrote a book about the assassination, about a conspiracy. He told me that he was going down. There was a fellow named George DeMornshell who was living in Miami, Florida. DeBorn Shell had never been interviewed by anybody for some reason. What's what's important about him is that he was a petroleum engineer from the Netherlands. He was wealthy. He was big buddies with Lee Harvey Oswald. Now, why would a petroleum engineer waste his time with someone like Oswald? They both spoke spoke Russian, but they found out that DeBorn Shell worked for the CIA after all this took place. Well, Mr. Fonzie went down to Miami to interview him, according to what he told me, and he got a phone call from Washington like about a minute before he was going to arrive at DeMorshaw's residence, and they told him to come back if DeMorshaw had just committed suicide. Well, he told me he didn't believe that DeMorshaw committed suicide. He believed DeMorshaw was murdered on purpose to keep him from talking to him. So that's very interesting. Yeah, that's that's very interesting that, you know, all these people, you know, right before they have to testify and they're going to say something, you know, they mysteriously die or disappear or, you know, it's it's craziness. Now, the you, you mentioned the uh, committee in the 1970s. Um, wasn't Dr. Weck, didn't Dr. Weck have some some connection to that as far as the forensic goes? And yeah, he, he, uh, or no? yeah, he was. He was the only forensic pathologist who, who supported a conspiracy. Everybody else went along with the government because they were just government government hags. He was a, the only the only pathologist that disagreed with the uh, one government theory. So that was his connection to it. Oh wow! So do on, you suppose the, that there? Go ahead. He was on the medical panel, and he was the only one that disagreed about one government doing everything. Everybody else said it was just Oswald. Yeah, there's no way that Oswald could have done all that with that cheap rifle that he had and, and the distance. And there was trees in the way and yeah, it's it's just too convenient. Too convenient. Yeah. The best the best shot best expert shot. marksman in the United States Carlos Hathcock he uh he tried to do what Oswald did and with the same kind of rifle, and he's the best shot in the country, and he couldn't even do it. He said it was impossible. Yeah. Wow. So see that you know Oswald must have just been the patsy, and and you know there was all someone else in the front, and you know other stuff going on. So, um, do. You, 
has like Caroline Kennedy or any any of the other Kennedys, Teddy Kennedy or anything, um, voiced any opinion on who they thought had killed the president? Well, Robert Kennedy Jr. came down to Dallas a few years ago. I didn't get a chance to meet him, but he talked to Robert Groen, who was there. And according to what Robert Groen told me, he believes the mafia killed his dad. And so he believes in the conspiracy. Oh, wow. That's very interesting. I I hadn't heard either way, you know, if, if any of the kids, you know, had any opinion now that they're all grown, you know. Yes. Wow. So do you think that uh, this will ever be reopened or is it just going to kind of lay there and, and hope that it goes away? Well, Dr. Wick said the, the, the one way to solve this for once and for all is to dig Kennedy's body up, what's left of it. And look at the bones, look at his skull, see, and see what kind of damage was done. Of course, the Kennedy family will never let that happen because they have to get their permission. No. So they're never going to dig Kennedy's body up. But that would decide it once, once and for all what really happened. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, didn't the the brain supposedly disappear for a while and then show back up? Or, or am well, I wrong about yeah. that? Well, Dr. Wick said that was the first one to discover that, that the brain was missing. Uh, what happened to it, we don't know for sure. Uh, Bob, there's rumors that Bobby Kennedy took the brain and buried it in his, in his brother's grave with it. But we don't know what happened to it, where it is. Oh, wow. Because I had heard that, you know, it was in the... The National, Ar- not the National Archives, but like the Smithsonian or something. I know that like his, his bloody suit that he had on and, and Mrs. Kennedy's pink dress was there and stuff like that. So supposedly the magic bullet was there and, and all kinds of stuff. But that seems kind of gruesome to have a, you know, have the, the brain, especially like pickled in a jar or something, you know? Yeah. Like Dr. Wick said, they did, they apparently did not perform a complete uh, examination of the brain like you do in a gunshot murder case. They, they were supposed to do that, and they didn't do it. So you, you wonder what, what was going on. Yeah, it seems, I mean, the more you look at it, the fishier it, it gets, and the bad, the more the worse it smells, you know. And um, yeah. I had seen an interview um with Dr. Wick where he was demonstrating the magic bullet and, you know, the, the autopsy photos and, and, you know, where the, the doctors, you know, said the bullets came and went and all that stuff. And, you know, he, he just, I just love talking to him about this. You know, if you remember what he said the last time you had him on your show, he met one of the doctors, Dr. Fink at, at, a, at a conference yes. like a year later after the assassination. Mm-hmm. And he asked him about the autopsy, and Dr. Fink said, well, I wish I could talk about it, but I can't talk to you about it. I can't say anything. Well, what does that tell you? He's he's been given a gag order or not to say anything. I want to make one one point uh, that's very important. Right a week after the assassination, Dr. McClellan told me this, so I know it's true. Dr. McClellan and all the other doctors were put in a room in Dallas, and two FBI agents, from what he told me, came down from J. Edgar Hoover and said, we've concluded that one person killed the president and wounded Conley. You're not to talk about the medical evidence or we'll ruin your career. And Dr. McClellan looked, looked at the other doctors and he thought, they've got to be covering something up because here they are telling us something to talk about what we saw and they're going to ruin our career. And these are all young doctors, so they had something to lose. So they just shut up. Right. They just shut up for like years, but but to be threatened like that is really amazing. Yeah, to and and the government, you know, getting away with threatening or you know whoever getting away with threatening people like that, you know, it just it just amazes me. And yeah, the you know all the evidence and all the doctors and and all of that, you know practically come up with the with the same conclusion that there was more than one shooter, you know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted yeah. I wanted to make another I wanted to make another point that's interesting. 
one of the photographers, uh, his name escapes me in my memory right now, but he was the photographer that took the, uh, pictures of Kennedy's autopsy and, uh, he always did, did, did the photographic work for the Navy. Uh, he said that there was a conspiracy, uh, that he took a movie of this autopsy. He took pictures of the autopsy and he told his wife, uh, I'm going to spill the beans as soon as I get out of the Navy. Well, Guess what happened to him? He ends up dead uh, right, right before oh he's going to leave the Navy. He's found in his lab and, uh, with a gun next to his side, and they said, oh, yeah, he committed a suicide. Well, the problem is the gun was in the wrong hand. It was uh, it was the opposite hand from what he, he used to shoot with. So they put the gun in the wrong hand and tried to make it look like a suicide. Oh, my God. This is just getting so wild and, and, oh my God. Yeah, you would have thought that whoever shot him would have known, you know, how to do it. But, yeah, yeah there's no, just want, too many. Want, go ahead. Go ahead. I want, no, I you go ahead. One, I wanted to make another point. There's a book called JFK and the Unspeakable. It's a very good book by a fellow named Douglas. He uh, interviewed a man who worked for the CIA. He was a who was an assassin for in the Vietnam War for the Green Berets. He was he met him in North Carolina. And years later, the man told him that uh, he he saw the, this document. He was he was approached by the CIA at, at, his, at the Army base in North Carolina, and he was told that they wanted him to kill somebody. He said, "What well, is a is it a Vietnamese or who is it?" They said, "No, it's an American." It turned out they wanted to kill the fella that was took the pictures of Kennedy's autopsy, the one that ended up dead. And he said, "I'm not going to do it. I, I don't, I'm not going to kill an American." So they went and found somebody else to do it. But he remembered them. They wanted the CIA wanted him to kill this guy. Oh my God! I had not heard that. I just thought of his name. It was William Pitzer. He was a cameraman, William. a photographer from. For the Navy, he was he was murdered by somebody, uh, but they recruited the CIA. Uh, the, the this guy who was an Army assassin in the Vietnam War, who had killed a lot of Vietnamese. They approached him about killing this this uh, Commander Fitzer, and he wouldn't do it. So they found somebody else, apparently. Yeah, apparently. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! So, um, do you think all the the papers from you know, the it's assassination is ever. It's, it's a book called JFK and the Unspeakable by a guy named JFK Douglas. By a guy named Douglas. Well, that, that yeah. would be pretty interesting. Yeah, because there's a lot of different, you know, books out there I know on on this. So. Yes, sir. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, there's, yeah. There's, there's been. So. There's books. been. Go ahead. Yeah, you wanted, you wanted to, you, you mentioned that uh, a lady was on the staircase of, at the beginning yeah. of the program. Uh, what's interesting is that, uh, I forget her, her name was Adams, I believe, and she was on the fourth floor of the book depository. And if I was one shot Kennedy, the only way to get downstairs to the lunchroom where he was seen 90 seconds after the shots is to come down the stairs. So she would have seen him. She said she never saw him come down the stairs. So how did he get down to the, down to the second floor lunchroom unless he was already down there? Uh, that that gives proof of proof of a conspiracy because she would have seen him, and she said she as other women said they didn't see him come down the stairs. So how did he get down? He probably wasn't up there. Also, uh, no. some also some witnesses were standing outside the in the plaza before the uh, motorcade, before Kennedy was shot. And Oswald was in the lunchroom at the same time that uh, another gunman was seen in the window. So who was that other gunman? It wasn't Oswald. I mean, he's got an airtight alibi right there. You can't believe it's two places at once unless you got a double or a twin. Yeah, now wasn't there like two or three Oswalds running around the country for a while, like in Mexico yeah. and Russia and yeah, somewhere yeah. else? The book I just told you about, JFK and the Speakable, uh, he, he interviewed and found out that uh, right after the assassination, uh, a plane, a uh, guy got on a plane 
in uh, Colorado to go to, he thought he was going to Washington or to Washington, D.C. It turns out the plane goes to Dallas for some reason. Kennedy just got shot. He lands in Dallas and picks up two men uh, over there where, where Tippett was murdered, the officer that was murdered. So what was that plane doing, picking people up right after the assassination? One of the people that got on the plane looked just like Oswald, but it wasn't Oswald. So there's proof there of a possible double being used. Oh, wow. Now, didn't, like, the CIA use a lot of doubles there for a while and, and you know, just to for covert operations and stuff? So do you suppose it was a CIA guy that was impersonating Oswald? Um, I mean, it had to be because who else would be doing it? So yeah. Somebody, yeah. Had, somebody who looks like Oswald is being used by somebody. Oswald, yeah. a, person, a person who claimed he was Oswald, was seen at a rifle range firing at, uh, at another man's target. And when he approached, when the man went up to him and said, why are you shooting at my target? He said, my name's Lee Harvey Oswald. I can shoot anybody, shoot anybody I want to. And the only problem is the real Oswald was, couldn't have been at that rifle range at that time. He was somewhere else. Plus he couldn't drive a car. So how did this guy get to the rifle range? Who drove him? It doesn't make any sense. No, no. So I, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I mean, I, I don't know how Oswald could be in two places at once. So, you know, there you go. Um, I hate to, to cut this short. I mean, this hour is when so fast we have three minutes left, Jack. So, my goodness. And we still have like so many questions. That, um, I mean, you're going to have to come back on the show and we're going to have to do some more, you know, about the CIA stuff and the, you know. Just just one more thing that I wanted, one more thing I wanted to point out. Uh, Weeks before the assassination, Oswald was seen in the lobby of a Dallas hotel with a man named, a man who was the head of the CIA's assassination program. Uh, he, He was seen with that guy talking to him by another witness. So what's Oswald doing talking to the head of the CIA's assassination program like weeks before this happened? I mean, there'd be no reason for that unless there's a conspiracy going on. Yeah, that's, that's, we'll have to dig into that the next time if you uh, are willing to come back and, and chat some more about this. Sure. All right. I'll be glad to come well, back. I want- Wonderful. And, and I'm so glad that you're doing better, Jack. That is awesome. I want to thank my guest, Jack Duffy, for joining me here on this hour of Saturday with Emma. So until next time, we'll see you later. Bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Saturdays with Emma right here on BBS Radio Channel 1.